Deep in the jungles of South America, a funny-looking bird sits perfectly still to avoid being seen during the day. Camouflage is a common way to stay off the menu, but the potu takes it to a different level. Disguising itself as the most ordinary of objects, this wide-eyed beauty survives by being a natural mime. But you gotta do what you gotta do to make it here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal info, and I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about an animal for the 100th time. Woo! And we're announcing the winner of the listener's favorite part of the show, which you voted for on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. I was surprised at the, the turnout on Facebook, but I, I kind of figured our... Our community of listeners is on Facebook more than it is on Twitter. Thank you, Facebook listeners. So if you're out there and you only follow us on Twitter, go go ahead over and check out Facebook. That's where, that's where the real fans are. We do both. Let's let's get something going on Twitter, too. Yeah, that'll be good. So are you ready to hear the the announcement, the vote winners? Am I, am I ready? Yes. Personally? Yeah. Emotionally? Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Uh, here, the the official listener's favorite part of the show is Measure Up. Mm. Yes, the day has come. That's Ugh right. is right. You came out to the polls and let your voices be heard. With Twitter and Facebook polls combined, 65% voted for Measure Up as their favorite segment. And I want to thank everyone who voted, especially yep. those who came out and ended up vo- uh, staying on our Facebook page. We had some people that liked new, the Facebook new likes. page. Yeah. Uh, but since it was a lot it, closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And since it was so close, it's clear that Critter Groups has its cult following. So it's not going to go anywhere. It's a cult classic. <laughs> yeah. Like Futurama, I guess. <laughs> or Willow. Yeah, Willow. It's hard to... The, the line between cult and like just full-on popular is... Is very uh, thin. I don't know what it means. It's just what Netflix tells me about things. Cult just mean cult classics just mean like, um, a small community of very loyal fans like support that thing. So like Firefly is considered a cult classic or a cult TV show. I think there's a large number of fans of Firefly. That's what I'm saying. It's like number it's large and small is relative. I mean, it's not like The Walking Dead, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's cult compared to Star Wars. <laughs> Anything that has fewer fans than Star Wars is a cult classic. <laughs> so, <everything>. anyway. <laughs> anyway, we're kicking off this 100th episode by talking about a weird bird. We love weird birds. We do. And uh, do you know what uh, weird bird this is? You're actually supposed to introduce it. I am supposed to introduce it. I was trying to buy time because I forgot to pull up the taxonomy. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about the common potu. We po-tu. like to say potu because it's more fun, but it's technically potu, I would say. Probably, yeah. And uh, it's so common. It is. It's not common I- around my house, but it's common in the place it lives. I wish it was common around my house. Common usually just means brown or gray. <laughs> <laughs> common is a color 
Yeah. Uh, not the you, rapper. Speaking of common, not a color, would you like to hear the uh, the taxonomy for it? Would no, you like I would hear, like to, good, I would do like some to names. say some I'd like to say some nicknames first. Okay, we'll get we'll get the order of this down maybe by the 200th episode. All right, yeah. That's our that's our new smart goal. Yeah. Um so the scientific community calls this a pour me one. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know, pour me a drink, I guess. It based on it's based on the way that it sounds when it's calling, but I have yet to hear a, a po2 call that sounds anything like it's saying pour me one do you have a do you have a recording of the i do have a recording if you would like to listen to it yeah yeah let's let's see if you can hear pour me one in this no not in this particular recording no, there's. There, it's either carefree, uh, like Brer Rabbit whistling. It sounds like ho hum, or it's like ha ha ha, like fake laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fake laughter. Or it's but it like, definitely doesn't it's sound like fake laughter. Or, yeah, it's either fake laughter or like woe is me. So maybe the interpretation is like. Oh, they sound stressed, so maybe you need to pour them one. <laughs> I guess. Do, is this still playing in the background? It is still playing in the background. Let's fade that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like a whippoorwill where you hear it and you're like, yeah, that sounds like whippoorwill. It sounds like they're saying whippoorwill, but that's or just cuckoo. not the case here. Yep, same, same. Um, but we're going to call it here. We're not going to call it Pour Me One because that's ridiculous. We're going to call it the Ninja Nightjar, even though it's not technically a nightjar. Um, and we're going, to go, we're going to call it Funny Feathers because like this, is, this is to birds like the palace cat is to cats in just expressiveness. Expressivity? Uh-huh. Expression. Expressivity. No, no you are correct. <laughs> they're, they're, they can equally, they can be creepy, um, insane, and adorable. All at the same time. But we'll, we'll talk about what it looks like in a bit. But here we go with the taxonomy into the wild blue yonder. Um, the kingdom. You know it. You love it. You're in it for the hundredth time. Animalia. The phylum, maybe, probably for like, do you think we've done 50 things with spines that are in the phylum chordata? For sure. At I least 50? Yeah, way I would more. say probably 75, maybe 80. Despite the fact that you love things that are invertebrates, like octopuses, octopi. I know, but I do. It's just we do way more mammals and birds and reptiles and amphibians than we do just like insects and cephalopods. Even though there's the most of the things on Earth are insects. Yeah, we just haven't gotten to them all yet because we have to space that kind of content out. It's really depressing and brutal. Insects and squids. Like are are among the most numerous things. Squid. Oh yeah. I, squid. Oh, yeah. yeah. Squid's crazy. Like there's loads of it. We talked about that in the first episode. Yeah, which is a good thing because they're a tasty morsel for a lot of predators. Moving on, the class is aves. You know what that means. You know what kind of animal that is. I'll wait. The kids at home. What kind of animal is an aves? That's a bird. You're right. Good job. If you answered. If you, you- didn't. 
Are you going full full Dora Explorer? Dora the Explorer, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the Temple of Time or the Temple of Doom? I'm just buying time because I'm dreading the order, which is Capri Mulgiformes. Yes. Capri Mulgiformes? I'm going to just say it's a hard G because, yeah. But do they have, you usually see J's in Latin? I don't see why they, I I have not seen a J in Latin. Maybe it's silent in Latin like it is in Spanish. True, true. That would make sense. The family uh, is Nictibidae or Nictibiidae. Nictibiidae, yeah, that's what I would say. And the genus is Nictibius. 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 Maximus. <laughs> that sounds like a type of Harry Potter broom. No, it sounds like a professor's name. A Nictibius 3000? You've got, well, yeah, the Nimbus, I guess. But you've got, like, Severus and Albus and Rubius and Nictibius. Yeah, it, he's the, he's the, what I keep wanting to say, language arts. <laughs> <It's the> def- <laughs> defense against language, language arts. <laughs> do you ever think that at, in at hogwarts they teach regular classes no they're like just you you might go to transfiguration but then right after that you have algebra 2 <laughs> that's gotta like be the, rough you gotta these it's gotta kids, be rough to be a math teacher in that situation these kids get no regular education they they can't even do basic arithmetic but they can stun you they can stun you something fierce and they could just shoot things out of your hands <laughs> well, I never thought about that, but that would be a great like little skit. It's like the the faculty at Hogwarts that has to teach regular regular uh, state approved classes. <laughs> yeah, they're on Common Core <laughs> with everything else. <laughs> oh, so the species is Gris Grisius. Uh, so the binomial name is Nictibius Grisius, which means gray potu. Are you sure that gene, that Nictibius is Potu? Uh, 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 yeah. I mean, it just it's the the genus is just a group of birds called Potus. I guess they're r- related to nightjars and frog mouths. I thought about doing the long-tailed Potu, um, which would be Nictibius Aetherius, which we'll play into the major fact later. But the common Potu had more information on it and is more common and more gray. So we'll go with that. But since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for the underdog, the grassroots rebellion. <laughs> the the tea party segment. The <laughs> the green the green party. <laughs> it's time for cr- 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 critter groups. Thank you to everybody who came out on Facebook and Twitter and voted. Um, and specifically, thank you for those who cr- voted for Critter Groups. You showed me that I'm not alone in this in this struggle, in this fight. And that makes all the difference. So, since there aren't, um, there isn't a collective noun for just potus, uh, they're related to whippoorwills, so we're gonna go with whippoorwills. This is better than just birds. Uh, so, this is the part of the show where I ask what the collective noun is for this animal. So since we're doing whippoorwills, Joe, what is the name for a group of whippoorwills? Is it A, a flutter of whippoorwills? Is it 
B, a gaggle of whippoorwills? Is it C, a seek of whippoorwills? Or is it D, a pillory of whippoorwills? I'm going to go with D, a pillory. Final answer? Final answer. Incorrect. That was a that good one. You. That is a good that one because I don't. I, that's a word that like I didn't imagine you would just think of. I, Did you look up like synonyms or, for something? No, I saw a pillow, and then I was trying. I was just. I tried to look around the room and think of words. And I saw a pillow, and I was like, hmm. I was Wait, recently is- looking up like the pillory. So, and it kind of just clicked. And it seemed like the perfect thing to call a group of something. What is a pillory? It's the it's, it's like the the stocks when someone in like the 14th century would like be caught stealing, they would be put oh. head hands would be put in the stocks, and people would throw fruit at them. Precious, precious fruit. Huh. Interesting. So, yeah. I bet they didn't really throw fruit. I bet they threw mud. Yeah, that would be or rocks probably. Yeah. I don't, I don't see why they would throw things that they needed to survive in times <laughs> when it was difficult to find and keep those things. Well, now that that's over, would you like to hear stuff about... Oh, speaking of taxonomy, real quick, potus are considered near passerine birds, which means they are related to birds of the order Passeriformes, which is like a huge bird order. It's crows and... Um, mockingbirds and <laughs> stuff a, like that. I, I'm just imagining that's a huge order of birds. Like, we can't fill that order. It's too big. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you've ordered 50,000 birds, and we just don't have the kind of manpower to make that happen. That they're, They don't fit in those little Amazon vans that run around. Yeah, these days. Once, they, once Amazon upgrades... You need an 18-wheeler yeah, for, sure, for that. For, for that order of birds. <laughs> Because I'm not going with no canaries. I'm going like full cockatiels. Ooh, cockatiels. The, also, the, the order Capramulgiformes is Latin for goat milkers. I guess capra is goat. Um, and then I guess m- mulge or mulga is milk? I don't know. Um, but it's, it's because the Europeans erroneously thought that the uh, potu would or and night jars and frog mouths would drink goat's milk so they called them goat milkers interesting nope those silly uh 13th century europeans (laughs) i don't know I, i don't know when it was taxonomized but um that would be weird if a bird drank milk do any birds? I like don't milk? think any animal drinks because it's not like like I, mammals. I don't think any animals drink the milk of any other animals on a regular basis. Cats, not because we give it to them. You're actually not supposed to. Milk is bad for them. Mil- milk and uh. raw fish are bad for cats. So Warner Brothers has lied to and Disney have lied to us for a long time. Well. Cats love milk because it's high in fat content, and they know that, or they can taste that. But they they're just drinking their doom. Yeah, they're drinking judgment upon <laughs> themselves. <laughs> they're going all full Corinthians on them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, dogs love chocolate. Jo- dogs love everything. No, my dog doesn't like peanut butter. Isn't that weird? That is weird. He it scares him because it sticks to the roof of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> let's let's get into the description uh with that in mind um potus are speckled with brown white black and tan plumage in some cases their coloration makes them resemble owls there's actually qu- quite a lot that is very owl like about them um they have large mouths which is why they have a cousin species called the frog mouth um, they have deceptively small, curved beaks like an owl, but unlike an owl, it opens up into a huge gaping maw. So it's like this: if, with their mouth closed, it looks kind of like an owl beak, but the whole their whole face can open it's, up. It's horrifying to look at, and incredible. Uh, they have proportionally large heads for their body size, like an owl. However, uh, like some owls, they can smooth their feathers to dramatically change their perceived body shapes and size, which is interesting. More on that later, maybe. Uh, potus are native to Central and South America, with a range from Mexico to Argentina, but they've also been spotted on some Caribbean islands like Jamaica. Now, that being out of the way, it's time to give the people what they want. Welcome to the beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show that uh, when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send in audio of yourself saying, singing, chittering uh, the words Measure Up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We do have a new intro this right. week. Uh you will pretty easily recognize who this is. Um, so, uh, but for future measure ups, if you send in an intro, tell us something that you want Carlos to guess about you, be it your uh, age, your hair color, something like that. Uh, and I'll give him um, a multiple choice, just like if we were doing an animal sound. So as not to cause Carlos to offend anyone. Yeah, this is going to go great um, when I'm guessing people's ages and hair colors and whatever. Oh, this sounds, this sounds listen, like a 42-year-old if, blonde. That's <laughs> If you ask him to guess something about you, I trust that you will not be offended by his answer. I don't know. Some people set it up like, who guess how, guess how old I am? Um. 40 and you're like i'm not 40 it's they they just don't guess in extremes 40 is not extreme no it isn't so that's what this is gonna be my guess forever you yeah well i mean even if you're young and you have a 40 year old voice that just means you sound distinguished yeah what what if we um if we accidentally offend we'll just find a, a way to spin it so that it sounds good Yes, everything is positive. Um, <laughs> uh, but we, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Measure up. Hey, Andrew. That's right. Yes, longtime listener. <laughs> First time measure up sender. I think this is, might be a. He has time. to have already sent a measure up. We have to have pestered and pestered him into doing it. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into length. The potu is between 33 and 38 centimeters long. Let's call that 35.5 centimeters or 13.9 inches on average. 
we do not, I do not have a question, but somebody else Ooh. does, which I will pull up in a timely fashion. Hit me with it. No, you're not prepared yet for how timely a fashion I am going to pull it up. Because it's happening right now. How many patoos into the width of La Casa Minia, the narrowest house in Argentina's capital, Buenos Aires? La Casa Minia. That sounds like my sister Emily. It is your sister Emily, but she said La Casa Minima. Minima. Oh, minim- minimal house. Yeah. In uh, She has also provided a hint, if you would like that. Of course, there's always a hint. The house sits at the center of a large building that was once all one home. Parts of the home were sectioned off to be sold or rented. As a result of bad math and planning, the owners were left with a small sliver in the center of the building, which they decided to make a standalone home. Hmm. So, to recap, how many potus go into the width of La Casa Minima? The, nar- the, the narrowest house. house. This is a pretty narrow house. The whole yeah. house is this narrow. Yes. While you think about that, thanks to Emily for the quick turnaround time. I asked her if she wanted to send one in for the 100th episode, and she said, absolutely. She recorded it quickly. Thanks, Emily. See, it's that it, it's that easy to record something and, and send it in. It just everyone should do that for Measure Up. Yeah. So, it all, so you don't have to start keep guessing animal yeah, sounds? Yeah, that's great. But now I kind of want animal sounds, so I don't have to guess people's ages and stuff like that well maybe they won't send uh <laughs> that part in so um all right so the narrowest house in argentina 15 feet if it was a whole house it was 15 feet across that's like not even a room yeah i'm gonna go 15 feet how long how long did you say this boy was you have a luxurious house there's there's no rooms in your house less than 15 feet by by 15 i don't know I guess most houses, most rooms are like 11 by 12 or something like that. Uh, so maybe I'm, um, I guess we'll go with 10. Okay. So, 13, 13 inches. inches. Okay. 13.9. So, so 14. Little, so a foot and two inches. Eight. Eight. Eight um, potus go into the width of this, this minimal house. Let's go to Emily for the answer. Answer. Seven potus. La Casa Minia is 8.2 feet across. across. Oh, that was really close. <laughs> Seven potus. That could be in the victory column. Eight feet. Goodness. If, if like, Will Chamberlain tripped and fell over, he'd hit his head on one wall and his feet on the other. If he was still there's around. A, there's a local legend, or not legend so much as there's just local rumor that the house, its origin was that it was given to a former slave family by their former masters when they, when they gained their independence, um, and they just gave them this tiny house uh, as a, I don't know, as a gift, uh, kind of a bad gift if, uh, if you're giving them a sliver of a house. Consolation but- prize. But the 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 date that the house was first like sold is like way before uh, um, slaves gained their independence in uh, Argentina. So that's probably fake. The is real she... the real thing was what Emily said was that 
it was poorly planned and it, there were parts of this building were sectioned off and they just were left with a sliver in the middle and they're like well guess we're gonna do an eight foot wide house i can beat that record Actually, what do you mean just just build a narrower house a six foot house <laughs> would you live in like an a very thin but like very long house or very tall house it seems like a fire hazard <laughs> okay let's move on to weight um the the po- the potu is 160 to 190 grams let's call that 175 grams or 6.1 ounces uh let's go to a familiar voice for the question how many potus go into the weight of the Gansedo meteorite, the largest known fragment of the Campo de Cielo meteor shower in Carata, Argentina? Oh, Andrew again. Andrew again. And he sounded got, so professional. Yeah, that's it. a that's a professional voice. And he had to say a bunch of Spanish stuff, so props to you. For Gansedo, I did provide like phonetics, but then for Carata and Campo del, del Cielo, I didn't do anything, and he did a good job, I think. This is, this is passable. Yeah, uh, well, let's uh, go to the hint. Oh, already? Hint. Cansedo is the largest meteor ever found in Argentina and the third largest meteor ever found on Earth. Interestingly enough, Andrew and I went to Prague, this same Andrew, um, and we saw... A really big meteorite that was kept at one of the observatories there and got to touch it. I don't know if it was the biggest in the area. It's probably not the biggest in the world. That would have been so helpful. Yeah. So it really doesn't help at all. It doesn't help at all. I just know that there's a that it's it is some size. How big was it? It's about the size of a desk, like a regular a regular desk you'd have in a home office based on this being third i would guess that's that's like 50 i don't know how many there are but based on the the size differentiation i'm going to give you the hint to say that maybe it's like 40s or 50 ranked ranked oh so that must be like really big like like the size of a truck yeah there there is no limit to the size a rock can be yeah, the only limit would be something, an extinction-level event. <laughs> yeah, because I then guess, we wouldn't be able to talk about it. Not because a rock can't get that big. I mean, 10 tons is 20,000 pounds, which seems like a lot, but also could be, like, minuscule and infinitesimal. Because <laughs> there's, no, there's no point of reference. Um, so let's go with that. So we're going to go with 10 tons, 20,000 pounds. And this guy is 6.1 ounces, you said? That means... 6.1. 6.1. That means about um, two, two and three quarters go into a pound because it's 16 ounces to a pound. And so I'm just going to I'm gonna use my calculator for this because my brain hurts. And uh, thank you, Andrew, for voting for Critter Groups for this exact reason. Emily also voted for Critter Groups. All right, thank you, Emily, for voting for Critter Groups. I think I, I think she did. I know she did. <laughs> I asked <laughs> her to. Um, uh, Andrew specifically said because it doesn't make his brain bleed. And then everyone else in the comments was like, yeah, but that's why we like it. 
Yeah, because they're sadists. <laughs> All right, we're going to go with 7,272 Putus. Okay, let's go to Andrew for the answer. 176,000 Potus. The Gansero Meteor is 30,800 kilograms, or 34 tons. It's a big oh. boy. I not only guessed wrong, but I also did my math wrong. I divided 20,000 by 2.75 instead of multiplying it by 2.75, which would have gotten oh, a much man. different answer, but still wrong. It's the exact so, opposite of what you wanted. St- yeah, that was. It, I went in the opposite direction. Looks like I went to Hogwarts and couldn't learn arithmetic. <laughs> but my charms uh, and hexes are on point. Yes. And speaking of charms and hexes, let's talk about some fast facts. <laughs> Potu are nocturnal, which means they spend most of their day perched in a single spot guarding or or, or maybe sometimes just they're guarding an egg. Maybe more on that. More, maybe more on that later. And by later, I mean in a few seconds. Uh, they feed on insects at night and prefer to go after flying insects. They hunt um, by sitting on a perch and waiting for an opportunity to fly out and catch something. And then they return to that same perch to wait for their next chance. Sometimes they will stop and forage for like ground insects. Um, they typically go after beetles, but they may also eat moths, grasshoppers, and termites. Potu are monogamous, which means they breed with one mate at a time. Both parents share egg incubation duties, but instead of building a nest, they place a single egg in a secure location on a tree or a stump, like in a divot, um, which seems to me very dangerous, but I am not a Potu, and I'm not going to tell them how to raise their kids. Uh, We'd have a really tough time doing this podcast if you were a Potu. Yeah. Yeah, well, you never know. Uh, I'd be like, hey, it is an audio hey, medium. I'd be like, hey, hey, Joe, uh, what's the measure up? And you'd be like, <laughs> and I'd be like, that's not an answer. You'd be You're like, that's very me. rude to laugh at me. I'm waiting for the question. <laughs> uh, so, in uh, some cases, Potu will engage in mobbing behavior, which is when a prey species uses superior numbers to swarm and confront a predator. Um, th- this You can see this, like birds do this a lot. Um, they, they make loud calls and sometimes attract other bird species to join the mob. It's like how Flick defeated Hopper in Bugs Life. It is exactly how Flick... In fact, ants do this a lot, but sometimes they're on the offensive and do this. Right. They just mob anything anyway. Yeah, that's how they do things. You know, just, they're mobs. It's like Twitter. Answer a lot like Twitter. (laughs) Uh, That's all I got for Fast Facts. Is it time for the major facts? It is time for the majorest fact in this episode. Of this episode. Of this 100th episode. The 100th major fact we've done. So, you mentioned that the POTU is nocturnal. Um, They also, they, they do pretty much nothing during the day. You mentioned that they were uh, that they stay perched in one spot, and that's that they do. They try to do as little as possible during the day, and most of the time they're actually standing in something called a freeze position. Their mottled brownish feathers can make them look like perfect tree stumps anyway, but they go out of their way 
to stump their enemies. So what they'll <laughs> what they'll do is they'll find um, a broken branch on a tree, and that's usually where where they'll lay their egg. Um, but they'll they'll stand over the egg where the tr- the broken branch used to be, and they'll perch there slightly askew, and they'll freeze. And if you see pictures of this, it can be really hard to see where the potu is. Obviously, you're like, okay, there it is, but it's it looks like a looks a lot like a stump. And uh, not only will they just freeze in that position, but they'll also crane their necks upward with their beaks jutting out. And so it looks like a jagged piece of the tree is coming out. Because if it was just their their round heads, it would be obvious because no tree looks like that. So with their beaks kind of sticking up and hooked outward, then it, it looks like a fragments of a, of a broken branch. Um, and they'll also puff their feathers out to create a more jagged outline because obviously if their feathers are down, it's going to look all smooth and it's going to be obvious to, that they're there. So, uh, they go really out of their way to look like a, to look like a stump, um, and to protect their eggs. So if they detect a predator while they're not in the freeze position, they will slowly make their way to that position so that their movements are undetectable. So it's not like they, they immediately like just snap to and freeze. They'll see you and then just kind of slowly morph into that uh, that position so that uh, you can't you, you don't even notice the change right yeah a lot of predators um, hunt based on sight especially the predators they have to face it off against like monkeys uh, tyras which are like little weasel things and forest falcons and not only do they go to all these lengths to, to look like a stump they also keep their eyes mostly closed in fact there's like a little slit because did you mentioned their eyes right no i didn't but they are big yellow stark colored eyes they're enormous they're like they're the big um the the biggest marble in the marble sets stuck into this little bird's head the biggest um, marble in the marble universe the Marble yeah, the Mar- Cinematic Universe. The Marble Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Captain Marble <laughs> is this guy. But what's the name of that one, um, like, uh, lemur that has the crazy eyes? Oh, that we talked about? An, an oi oi or whatever. I I. I I yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like that. <laughs> what's the name of that thing with the weird eyes? Oh, it's an, an oi oi. Oh, no, it's an oi oi. <laughs> yep, yep. Um... But yeah, so it has these crazy big yellow eyes, that, and the the pupils can dilate really dynamically. Um, but obviously, that would give them away if their eyes were snapped open when they were standing there looking like a stump. So they close their eyes, but there's a small slit that allows them to still see uh, while their eyes are closed. So they look like when Garfield's frustrated, like with it's like a their eyes slightly open and they're just like peering at you through this slit. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's not sure oh, about you. This guy again, this predator. Although when you look at it, it looks like their eyes are totally closed, but in reality, their eyes are open. So that's all I got. Sweet. That's another episode. The hundredth. We've done this for two years. Just about. You know that, um, you know what the average podcast length is before they quit? Um, 
two years. It's like 10 episodes. Really? Yeah. What, if they, if they don't get a million followers and then the first 10 episodes are like, this is a total waste of time? No, it's just that the barrier to entry to making a podcast is so low, but the barrier to like doing it for a long time is high because it, and doing anything for a long time is difficult. So, yeah, the, the, there's, the, there's so many podcasts, but very few Kudos of them to- last... Kudos to us for sticking it out. Kudos to us. I'm patting myself on the back right now. But more so, kudos to the people that continue to listen every week because we would not do this if it weren't for them. It would be a That's pointless right. endeavor. We would just sit around and talk about animals to ourselves. Yeah, I would just I'd just call you once a week. Just be <laughs> like, hey, I, I learned about this really cool worm. Um, and I'd be like, um, is it okay if I read you the Wikipedia page for a little bit? And I'd say, sure, but only if I get to do an impossible quiz to you. It'd be really nice if anybody else listened to this. <laughs> <laughs> but they do, and that's wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, for you out there in Podcastia, keep your eyes half open. Find a good spot. And pretend to be a stump, like the Poo in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey everybody, Carlos here. Thank you so much for listening to our 100th episode. These past two years have been a blast, and we can't wait to see what animals are around the corner. Also, thank you to everyone who voted for our show segments, and a special thank you to everyone who voted for Critter Groups. I know we lost, but we were the underdog, and I think we made a stand we can be proud of. No matter what, we love getting participation from you guys and just knowing that you like the show. If you're still feeling in a participatory mood, send us a clip of you saying measure up to ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. You can also leave a review for us by logging into your favorite podcasting app and telling everyone what you think of our show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. My favorite in the world podcast. <laughs> yeah. And while you're doing that, listen to the episodes like over again. <laughs> <laughs> Give us more listens just because if you're sitting there looking like a stump anyway, you might as well enjoy some, some animal podcast. Yeah. <laughs>